القول والعمل والنية والهدى إنك على كل شيء قدير أمين رب العالمين Beloved brothers and sisters and elders and students السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته I ask Allah Azza wa Jal to accept our coming here today and make it a means of our salvation May Allah Azza wa Jal in these blessed days of the Hijjah and the days and nights of fasting and ibadah that he has gathered us here in his house we ask Allah Azza wa Jal to allow us to hear what we all need to hear. We ask Allah Azza wa Jal to inspire us to share such things which will be of benefit for us both in this world and the next. And whatever khair and good we hear, may Allah Azza wa Jal allow myself and all of us to put into practice and allow others to also, all of us to pass it on to others as well. Amin ya Rabbil Alameen. Reading from Kitab al-Zuhd of Abdullah al-Mubarak, section on humility. بكير بن الأشج نريد خرج عبد الله بن سلام من حائط له بحزمة حطب يحملها فلما أبصره الناس قالوا يا أبا يوسف قد كان يعني في ولدك وعبيدك من يكفيك هذا قال أردت أن أجرب قلبي هل ينكر هذا بخير بن الأشج narrates that Abdullah ibn Salam رضي الله عنه came out of his garden carrying a bundle of firewood when people saw him, Abdullah bin Salam, great Sahabi, who was a scholar of, of, of previously of the Jewish religion, and then after that, Allah Azza wa Jal blessed him with Islam, and Allah Azza wa Jal gave him an opportunity to become a leader in the Deen, as well. And when people saw him, they said, "Aba Yusuf, you have sons and you have slaves and servants who can take care of this. Why are you carrying a bundle of firewood from your garden?" He said, I wanted to test my heart to see if it objected to this. The purpose of that is, he's saying, I have people around me who would, at this age in life, seniority in life, who can assist me. But I wanted to take care and do this manual work and labor at home, and wanted to check my nafs to see, is my nafs feeling that I, have, that I am uh, too lofty and too high in position to be wasting my time doing such lowly things as doing chores at home or uh, taking chores outside of the house. I wanted to see what my nafs says. If my nafs feels that this is not befitting for me, then I need to treat it. And so how am I going to find out if my, what condition my nafs is unless I put myself through that? Just like a person, he puts his heart through a stress test, for example, to see what's the condition of the heart. A person has to put his nafs also through these type of things. Where a person wants to see, you, put, you push your nafs through various types of exercises to see how does your nafs respond to it. And if the nafs uh, is quiet and calm and doesn't say anything, alhamdulillah, that's a good sign. But if the nafs gets angry and upset uh, and or says that this is not right, this is the problem, then we have an issue. This is why last week I spoke about how the days of the Zawiyat and the Khanqas are kind of gone, done now. Uh, where Mashaikh would have places where people would come for their spiritual rectification and sit and spend time with them. And the reason is not that Mashaikh passed away only or the Khanqas are just no longer under construction. It's a where do you find people who are willing to get enrolled in that? Where do you find people who are willing to say, here I am for six months at your service. Do You can ask me whatever and I am here to serve. Because I'm not here only to serve you into the masjid or the khanqa, but I'm here to fix my nafs. Previously, the type of mujahadat and the type of expect, you know, type of spiritual exercises, just like you have that, uh, that um, uh, the test that 
uh, you would do in hospitals to make sure your, your, your heart is in good shape or anything else, any other part of the body. Similarly, the type of uh, stress test that they would put the nafs through, a person would walk in as soon as he walks in, uh, uh, you know, as she, as she, he, at times would, uh, depending on who the person is, depending on who, what, they're, what they're going through, the shaykh would, would give various types of exercises, spiritual exercises. For example, a talk is going on, a person very excitedly comes, sits right in front, and you know, eager, of course. But now the problem is, the shaykh may realize that this person is not just eager to listen, but he likes to always be in the front and the center of attention as well. Uh, he just loves it, the fact that, you know, everyone's looking at him. Now he might not realize that. So now, subhanAllah, in the, right in the middle of the talk or at the beginning of the talk, the shaykh would, for example, there will be instances you read in the books, would make the person stand up and say, go, 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 get up from here, and I want you to go to the back of the masjid, go outside of the masjid, and go fix all the shoes. And so then after, he says, uh, okay. So <laughs> he stands up and goes, and he says, I'm done. He says, no, no, now you sit there. Just sit outside, and you can listen from over there. So now, subhanAllah, imagine a person, if he were to be told like that, how would a person respond and react to that, right? You'd see these type, you'd, a person would naturally, if whose nafs is not squashed, would get so angry, so upset, like, I came here to learn, what's wrong with this person? But that was the idea. This, these, were, these, were, um, these were efforts by latter-day scholars and ulama to fix the nafs. Not something that Rasulullah himself, for example, prescribed. But this is like you have different types of programs today for learning Arabic or learning Islamic studies or you have intensives you have all sorts of different types of efforts that are done uh, research that's done um, thinking outside of the box that in the modern man how do you you know how, how, how do you up, uh, uh, figure out latest challenges and address those like many of the talks that we we have over here the workshops that we do here classes things that weren't definitely were not done by our own teachers right but this is the need of the time so obviously staying within the bounds of the sharia, but you realize that this is a topic that needs to be addressed. And this is the method you're going to teach this class. So similarly, spiritual rectification in this manner was, was something that was done later on by scholars. When they realized that the nafs is becoming too huge, and just the normal, there's no normal spirituality in the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that a person comes and gets cured. You have to do, um, you have to take extra measures. You have to take extra measures to push back on that nafs. Because look, we were talking about, we talked about it in the tafsir, I think so was it last week, that, um, or this week, that previously you go for Umrah or Hajj, just the journey itself would be so challenging, so difficult, months long journey, people would pass away, so many on the way going, and so many on the way back. And it was filled with mujahada, and over there, Haramain as well, as well was in the middle of Adin Ghayri Dizara, a valley that's got no vegetation, nothing attractive, uh, barely anything to survive on. So if a person were to go there and were to spend a month there, SubhanAllah, you don't even need to go to spend there a month there. Just by the time you arrive there, a chunk of the nafs has, has been treated. Majority of the major sins and minor sins have been forgiven. And now when you go there, you are in absolute perfect shape to just take on the nur of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala descending on those places. And the, the, the anwarat and the, uh, uh, the fuyud, uh, the, the spiritual benefits that are there to be derived, a person would be ready for it because a journey itself had removed a, a ton of filth from the soul. But now we do go there, there's the, lug, the, 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 the journey itself is 12 hours, 14 hours. And a person does not go through a difficult journey by any means. And once you arrive there, then what can we say? 
the type of fitna and the type of attractions of, of five-star hotels and buffets and, and high-end products and, and all sorts of other attraction to the nafs and to the eyes all over the place that a person goes there and he sees things he never saw back home. He never saw a mall in Illinois like that. He never saw a hotel like this. He never saw this type of food, I promise you, in his life. The abundance and the variety he's never seen, ever. No matter what conference and what wedding you go to, you've never seen 40 dishes. And you've never seen, you know, 40 literally different types of desserts and by rotation every single day. SubhanAllah, when you go see all of that and then you don't just see it, you indulge in it. You indulge in it. How is it possible that a person is going to get super spiritually inspired by his stay over there? It's not compared to what he used to get before. So things have changed. Now what you, if you are going there, what you need to do is something very differently and vastly different than say what people in the past would do. You have to really go all out to simply take some benefit from the Haramain. You really have to want to desire to find the spirituality of that place. You have to unpeel, remove so many layers of ghafla and heedlessness before you get to the crux and the core. Well similarly, the type of what ulama noticed that the type of world we're living in is that the nafs is just becoming bigger and bigger and the soul, the ruh is becoming weaker and weaker. And so they came up with various spiritual exercises in order to help people gain the basic level of ruhaniya that the earliest people had all the time without going through all of this. So there are, yani, this was done for many centuries by Sufis and, and, and ulama of Tazkiyah where people would come and say, I'm here to serve and I want, to, I want uh, you to help me overcome my nafs. So there were people who would listen to that. There were people who would listen to that and they say, okay, until, uh, until our ruhaniya is not achieved, we're not going to leave. There, uh, for example, one of the things that the mashayikh would check, uh, they, would, they would have a person stay in their company for a long time. They, of course, they're doing khidmah, they're doing their dhikr, they're doing their tilawah, they're doing their dua, they're fasting, they're doing all the other stuff. They're doing physical um, uh, chores. And then they would uh, on purpose say something really challenging for the nafs, would say something that would belittle a person's nafs. And they would simply keep an eye on their facial expressions. Does this person frown? If you frown, you've lost. Right? That means you haven't gotten anywhere. And they would say, you need to reach a level where the praises and the blame of people is the same. When people praise you or people blame you, your focus is on Allah only. People's praise doesn't make you happy because you know everything you have is a blessing of Allah and Allah is covering up your faults. And when if people speak ill of you and attack, your, attack you, again you think that Allah knows who I am. If what this person is saying is true, I need to fix myself. If what this person is saying is not true, then I forgive them for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I thank Allah that He has kept me pure from this sickness. It's better to not have a disease that people accuse you of having instead of having it. Don't you agree? So someone says you're a liar, you're a, you're a cheater, a whole bunch of things. These are horrible spiritual diseases. So if you have it, well, you got to repent. If you don't have it, you thank Allah Azza wa Jal that Alhamdulillah, you've been safe from it. Like someone's coming and falsely accusing you of having cancer. And you say, Alhamdulillah, I don't have it. So don't you feel happy that you don't have? Instead of feeling, man, I wish I did. This guy said I have it. Who would you wish? No one would wish like that. Similarly, if someone accuses us of things that we don't have, we say, Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah. You're so happy at the fact that you don't have that spiritual disease, you don't care what people say about you. 
because you are more happy of the fact that you don't have this. So basically the idea of the praises of the people as well as the dishonoring of the people is all the same, makes no difference. You say, I'm a servant of Allah, whatever people know of me, even if they're speaking ill of me, actually they really truly don't know my full self. He's speaking about something which is maybe right or maybe wrong. But if, he were, if my true self were to be exposed in front of Allah, I'm sorry, in front of this person, he would have said much worse things. This is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's Allah subhanahu wa covering of also. So when a person asks you to do something, when an elder, when a teacher, when a parent asks us to do something, and we grunt, we grunt, or we say something under our breath, or we frown, or we get angry, we say, why is he saying this to us? This is an example of the nafs. That's just too big. My beloved brothers, so the, the people who used to worry about their nafs being fixed and, 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 and care about its treatment, that, that, you know, they're slowly becoming extinct. So now today, no one wants to say anything. Um, last week again, I mentioned how Qari Amirul Hassan, just one clip of his, which I found online, in which he was saying, Zamana again, time has come, where people don't want to listen to their parents. People don't want to listen to their teachers. People don't want to listen to their mashayikh. That's an issue. It's a people are living in an era of absolute arrogance, where people do not want to listen to people who love them, care for them, want to guide them. They don't want to listen. Try as fathers, we know this. As teachers, we know this. Subhanallah, um, that the era of people simply saying, "I appreciate you taking the time out to give me some advice." This means a lot to me. He's gone. Because I don't want your advice. <laughs> Keep it to yourself, right? Subhanallah. So what? What, what is the issue? It's a nafs. The nafs says, yes, you, you, nafs says, even if you, you need help, but don't ask for it. Even if you're struggling and you'd benefit so much. That's why this whole idea, I know. I know. How kids say today, anything you say, I know. Anything you correct them, I know. <laughs> that, that's enough speaking right there. Even though he knows he doesn't know. And he made a mistake. If he knew it, why would you be correcting him? You corrected him because he made a mistake. <coughs> what is his response? I know. That's enough. Little kids today, two, three-year-olds, that's what, this exactly I'll say. I already knew that. I already knew that. Even if you know that, we've been taught that we don't say that. The nafs. When you crack a joke today, kids, you know, I talk, continue on from last week. Uh, oh, dad, that's so corny. It's a normal thing. They don't know that that's disrespectful. I was just thinking that when our Ustad would say jokes to us, again, same example, Mona Choksis I'll give, you know, they give the same jokes every year at the same spot. And literally we would laugh. Even they knew exactly how this story is going to end. Because we don't want to make him feel uncomfortable that he's already said the joke, how come no one's laughing? That was common. No one told us that when I entered Madrasa. When a teacher says a joke he already said, you must laugh. No one told us. It was just common sense. Common sense is you don't want to make a, a, an elder, a teacher, or anyone else for that matter, uncomfortable. So you simply play along. SubhanAllah, where is that common sense today? Where is that common sense today? Where a person will right on your face say, that's so corny, I already heard that, give me another one, I can give better jokes, etc. It's not the point of the joke. Were you ending up, some, the point of the joke is not the point, the point was to kind of have a little lively moment, break the um, uh, you know, monotony and move on. But SubhanAllah, what you have just said is just ruined my whole mood. Who wants, to, who wants to do anything? It's about, so I was just speaking to one um, a medical student um, uh, the other day, and he said, 
you know, so what, 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 to what degree do I have to, um, am I allowed to like differ with my parents? You know, what if they say something which is really wrong? You know, do, uh, to what degree am I supposed to be respectful and quiet, etc.? And I said, you know, just look at the, uh, what's, you know, how important of an issue is it? If they're saying things that have, the, which are incorrect, factually incorrect, but they have no bearings on your life, their life, and the future of yours in this world and the next, then is no point in correcting them. Just stay quiet. Um, if, you know, it really makes sense. If someone says, today's going to be, stor- it's going to be a storm coming into town, and you just checked right before Fajr, and there's no storm coming to town, you don't have to correct that. You know, but you're planning an outdoor event. And your mom and dad say, well, there's a storm coming into town, so I guess we're going to have to cancel it. And you're like, no, I mean, I th- I'm not sure. Uh, maybe, you, you, maybe you read uh, of another city, Chicago, that we, don't got no, we have no storm coming. Take a look. Here, this is what it is. I think we can continue with our plans. Okay, that's, that's fine. You need to correct in a nice manner. But if it's something of the past, it really, and it has no bearings, then there's no point in correcting it. So then he was, he was, you know, thinking about what I said. I said, well, there was a book, um, Dale Carnegie, like how to, what, how, to make best, how to Make Friends, is that what it is? So long ago I was reading that, and I remember there's one, one chapter he talks about, he, you know, it's a really nice book, one of the best sellers. And he says, he gives a story of where a person was going to a, a meeting for a business meeting with some CEO trying to, trying to um, sign a deal. And so this elder, CEO, older person, he was talking about, you know, po- post-World War I Europe, and he mentioned some aspects of you know, some history, Eastern European history. So now this person who knows Eastern European history as well, he recognizes this, this CEO has actually made a factual error about a date or about the reason for why a, a monarch got assassinated, etc., whatever it was. So now he's like, okay, let me correct him. And he says, he's like, oh, actually, it was this. He says he corrected him, but in the process of that, yeah, he won uh, the, what you call, the battle. But he lost the war. In in what sense? Because this senior CEO feels obviously going to feel slighted, feels challenged by this young businessman who comes to the meeting and is correcting him. He's coming to make a deal, but in the process of that, he goes out. He, he makes a he makes a correct. He corrects him for a, a factual error that he made. So he said, "Was that worth it? Like, who cares whether he made a mistake about Eastern European history? This is not a history class. This is he was he was doing this for simple small chat over a lunch meeting. You need to un, uh, ignore it and move on, and get get your work done, which is get the business deal signed." So when I mentioned this to him, subhanAllah, this medical student said, you know what you're saying is so right. He said, when I am in rotations and I see my attending says things that are actually fresh out of his medical school, he recognizes that his senior doctor is, said something about a certain issue that is incorrect. Um, and he's like, I would never, ever correct him because I'm not going to put my... My, you know, my career on Jeopardy here, sitting there trying to be a smart aleck and trying to correct uh, my senior. I, of course, he said, I, be, I can remember multiple incidents where, to my knowledge, what he said was incorrect, but I just played along. And it's like, okay, no problem, whatever, let's just get out of here. You know, they say in Urdu, to get some work done, you make a donkey treat him like your father. Like, you get, if you've got to get your work done, the guy in front of you who's got, who's got your ticket in his hand, he's going to allow you to enter the uh, plane or not. 
Oh, he's acting very bad. You just say, oh, sir, sir. And you would never act like that before. But now you got to butter him up because you got to get onto the flight. <clears throat> it's in his hands. So whatever, you got to get work done. So similarly, this is dunya. Imagine your parents. If we have, to, or our elders, or our teachers, why do we have to correct them? Why do we have to say, but this factually like this, factually like that? No, just let it go. But what is it? It's the nafs. The nafs, not only when the parents correct us and teachers correct us, we don't like it, but the other way around, when they make a mistake, we have to speak up. If this is not nafs, then what is? So this is something we can all treat it as long as you're aware that this is an issue. And uh, I, 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 you know, I tell this to our students, SubhanAllah, you know, right? The guys, the people who speak up and say, you know, this is what you're doing. They're, they're going away. Well, I was reading about one of our senior ulama. He would go to, he was a graduate of Darlum Deoban. He would go to, uh, the, uh, after he became uh, one of the grand muftis or grand ulama of, of the entire subcontinent, still he would go back to the village or where, his, where he studied in the village of Deoban. And he would go, his sheikh had passed away, his teacher had passed away. And he would go in his probably 60s and he would go to the house. And, and the Ustad's wife, who is an elder lady now, he would say, please I've come, and I've come here to khidmah, please let me know if I can go get something from the marketplace, any groceries, I can go get vegetables, meat, etc. I'm here for a few days, I want to serve. So she would say, okay here, and give a list. So he, he would say that I come back and enjoy spending days here, and serving my Ustad's wife for doing chores outside, and this and that, because I've lost my mom and dad, and I have no one, he's remember, he's one of the senior ulama of the whole country. He said, I have no one in my life who calls me by my first name. So I come here literally to enjoy listening to someone call me by my first name. Because she treats me as a kid, my ch- like her child. And my elders are gone. Everyone is calling me Sheikh Fulan, Mufti Fulan, Fulan, Fulan. But I don't, I, I'm dying to hear my name being taken by someone. So he said, this is why I come back to the town, to the village. And do khidmah here, just to be able to hear that. Think how deep that is. That's, you know, it's, it's the idea is that you're sick and tired of titles and names and whatnot. You just simply want to be recognized as a, as a simple Abdullah, a servant of Allah Azawajal. That is a humility within a person. That he doesn't want these titles. He doesn't enjoy that. It's something he runs away from. And you'll see uh, another instance of a person coming to meet Shaykh Al-Hind rahmatullah if I remember correctly. He, this individual came to a train and uh, another scholar, another senior scholar who had never visited the Oband, came by the train station, many kilometers walk probably. So he comes and there was, in, uh, there was a, <laughs> it happened to be, it was a hot, hot summer day, 100 degrees probably, and there was already a quli, porter, waiting there. So he grabbed the quli and said, hey, please carry my bags. He said, where are you headed? He said, I'm going to Darul Uloom. He's like, okay, my madrasa. So he carried the bags and this scholar went with this porter all the way to the madrasa, which is small, small madrasa there. And then after that, he settled in. And uh, uh, he said, I'm at the guest house. He said, yes, you're here. I came to meet Sheikh Al-Hind. He said, okay, no problem. So he went and he said, wait, let me bring you it's lunchtime. So he brought him cold water, brought him food, serving him, got his place to wash his hands, everything. Got his suitcase put away. Now it's been already an hour or so. This guest scholar starts getting antsy. 
He said, listen man, I came from so far in this heat on a train all the way to this Darloom to meet the Shaykh. And you're, you're doing everything but allowing me to meet. What's the hold up? I've come from so far. So he started getting antsy. He said, I said, who are you? you came to meet? He said, I came to meet, you know, Shaykh Lind. So he said, well, uh, if I'm not Shaykh Lind, but I'm Mahmoud. Meaning the same, same person. <laughs> he knew the arrival of the scholar and he de- ended up going to the train station to go pick his stuff up. Acted like a porter, brought it all the way, served him, gave him. He said, Mahazir, Khadim is here, Fakir is here. I'm at your service. This is the, this is, they're not faking it. This is the reality of these people. That's why they went so ahead. They didn't go ahead telling people, this is who I am. This is my t-shirt, this is my label, this is my name. Call me by this. Allahu Akbar. The deen moved forward by people who had, who had chiseled down their nafs. And due to that, subhanAllah, the deen reached us. So our biggest impediment in our progress forward is definitely going to be our nafs. And so we have to, we can, we can work on ourselves, all of us can. It's if you decide from today that you are going to be hard on yourself. You're going to be honest with yourself. Someone doesn't come for Fajr. Someone comes late. Someone misses it. Things happen. But if this becomes a habit, it's been the past nine days, we haven't prayed in the masjid. Past 15 days, we haven't prayed salah. Then there's no hope. There is no hope. Because you don't want to treat it. You're just going with the flow. But if you say, oh my God, I can't believe it. I missed it today. I am going to punish myself. I'm going to fast. I'm going to give $50 in sadaqah. I am going to um, go spend uh, you know, 20 minutes after maghrib and pray nawafil. Because I miss my salah with jama'ah. Punish my nafs. I'm going to cry after Isha and Fajr and say, Ya Allah, please cure me of this disease that I'm missing my salah. I am going to listen to some ruqya. I'm going to recite some manzil and ayats of ruqya to get rid of this horrible sin of mine of not praying. Then it might take one day, two days, three days, inshallah you'll be on your feet. But that will happen when you recognize this is a problem. If you don't recognize this is an issue and you think and you accept it that this is your, this is who you are, a man who doesn't pray, a woman who doesn't pray, well then how is Allah Azawajal will want to change you? Allah says, do you expect me to stick and push down iman down your throat while you don't want it? It's not going to happen like that. So similarly, any type of spiritual disease that we're going through, inshallah, we can work on it as long as we recognize that we're sick. That's it. As long as we recognize that we need help. Now arrogance and narcissism, jealousy, all of these sicknesses, my beloved brothers, are so bad they destroy a person you know any physical sickness the worst type of physical sickness you talk about that is gonna be with someone as long as they're alive right as soon as they die and they pass away in the grave physical sickness is gone but spiritual sickness the ramifications of it and the punishment of it it only begins when we're lowered into the grave so arrogance and and and, and haughtiness and, and, and narcissism and and jealousy these are horrible sins and now how many of you know people who are narcissistic? All of you do. How many people know someone who's, who's, who, who is, suffers from harboring jealousy? All of you know. How many people you know who, uh, who, who treat people in, in a despicable manner, look down upon people? All of us know. And you look at it and you know he, this man is in his 50s, he's in his 40s, he's in his 60s, she's in her 30s. Grown, professional, successful men and women who've got major spiritual flaws. No, what's going on? 
These people are so, they have impeccable suits. They, have, they get a car wash every week. They get a detail every month. Right? They've got impeccable lawns. Why is it that they're carrying around with a disgusting, stinky soul? Because they don't realize what they have. They don't realize how they come off. And so that's the issue. Is that it's very hard to self-diagnose what you're going through. This is where a mentor, a shaykh, a murabbi comes in. This is where an elder comes in. That they come and they look at you and say, this is your problem. Many physicians sitting here, how many of you just do self-diagnosis? You know that if you do that, you end up even more sick. That's why many times we have sicknesses. Doctors many times get sick. Because this idea, I treat everyone, I can treat myself. And they don't treat themselves properly. And then they get very sick. So no matter who you are as a shaykh or a scholar, you cannot treat yourself. You have to have someone look at you. As an outsider, eagle's perspective or eagle, bird's eye view. Externally, look at you. You cannot get into that uh, mode where you look at yourself from a third person. And so it's not always a murabbi or a shaykh you need. Sometimes a little kid will just make a comment. That's so weird. That's wrong. Isn't that, isn't that incorrect? Isn't that unfair? Some random kid. Ah, you don't realize that. You're right. What I just did is unfair. The way I'm treating these people is, is incorrect. The way I just treated a beggar on the street is incorrect. The way I just treated this animal is incorrect. You have this little innocent child who speaks up. So here's your sheikh right there. He saw something. He couldn't keep quiet. He blurted it out. It might be your child. It might be someone else. So not always is there, yes, sometimes there's disrespect in what children say. But al-hikmatu dalatul mu'min. Wisdom is the lost item of a believer. He looks for it wherever. You look for it even in the disrespect of your son and your daughter. Did you hear what I said? If your son and daughter disrespectfully correct you, that's a different topic. We, can, we just spoke about that last week in detail. Listen to it if you missed it. But if he's saying something the true, it hurts. But listen to it if what they said is right. You say this, but you do this. Wow, that's true. I go against what I preach. I just finished getting upset at so-and-so for that, but I just did it myself. Who's going to point that out? Sometimes you don't need a sheikh or a mentor to point that out. Sometimes it's your own innocent son or daughter. It might be your own adolescent son or daughter who is who's speaking the truth. He said, I don't care. I'll tell you what it is. I'll call a spade a spade. Maybe he shouldn't from his perspective, but from your perspective, you need to hear that. If someone corrects us, we need to look and ask ourselves, what is this person saying? Is there any truth to that? So if we do not put blinders over ourselves, and we're open to criticism from anyone and everyone, non-Muslim, Muslim, a driver of a, another person driving the car next to us on, the, on a highway, and looks at us and says, you're crazy. He says that because he's upset. And just ask yourself, what did I just do? Maybe my driving was, I don't, let me not go into road rage. Why did he say that? Why is some random person calling me crazy? For what? Because I did something that is worthy of being called crazy. Was, was this correct? I represent the Ummah of Rasulullah I represent Islam. And now, non-Muslim calling me crazy. This is not something I'm proud of. Right? So you have to internalize what was just said. So if we become open-minded people, we will find benefit and advice from the kids, from elders, from Muslims, from non-Muslims, from random community people, anyone and everyone. But you have to tell yourself that I'm open for that. And I want you, to, you and I to really make this intention right now. Then, Ya Allah, there's no way I, I know my faults. There's no way I'm going to be able to figure things out. But I don't want to be 
spiritually sick and I don't want to die as a spiritually sick person I want to get this treatment before I die but I'm never going to know what problems I have unless you allow me to see it so that's why we ask Allah that, that Ya Allah give us one eye to look at our faults and one eye to look at the the beauty of other people the good traits of others and our own evil traits you look at your own evil traits and you work on it you look at the good traits of others you say I want to become like that we do the opposite we always look at our good traits and we look at the faults of others when anyone corrects us we become defensive but I do this but I have this I'm this in, in a manner that you're not why are we becoming defensive no one said when someone corrects me or someone corrects you no one says you are 100% evil then he said just fix this one thing like for example you come and look at me and you say hey you got ketchup on your on your, on your jib on your pocket of your kurta what a foolish response to say well at least I don't have any ketchup on my back at least I don't have ketchup on my arms well come on what, who can answer this of course you don't have if you had it then I tell you it's on your back too and in your arms I'm telling you where it is so you can remove it so someone comes and says you've got this flaw well, we don't have to become defensive. Say, I don't have those flaws. We're not talking about other flaws. MashaAllah, we didn't highlight that because you don't have it. We're talking about what you have. Let's just focus on getting that one flaw that you have. You're like wearing a white thobe that's got a black dot. It's going to stand out. So you, you, MashaAllah, you've got great qualities. But you got this one bad trait that stands out. So imagine if we all became open-minded like this. And imagine we told our own spouse. We told our own co-workers. We told our own partners in business. We told our musallis, we told our friends, relatives, uncles and aunts that listen, I'm always open to constructive criticism. I'm always open to advice. Anytime you see something that you think I could benefit from, by all means, please guide me, advise me. You don't have to be more knowledgeable in everything. I could be knowledgeable in 99 things. But you have a perspective that I don't have. You are an outsider looking at me. And I do, can never have this perspective of myself. This is where islah al-nafs has to begin. So it starts off with doing chores at home. It starts off with doing things outside of the masjid. Right? Ask yourselves, how do you feel? Um, how do I feel going on the, you know, right now spending time uh, quietly after fajr is over? Picking up, one is while fajr is going on, mashallah, sit there and picking up uh, garbage from the floor. One is there's no one here. How do I feel coming and cleaning the bathroom? Or vacuuming the masjid? Or doing, you know, uh, something spilled? Something fell on the, uh, something lay, some smoke butts or cigarette butts in the parking lot? How do I feel going picking that up? Spending an hour picking it up? Is, does it hurt my nafs? Well, guess what? If it hurts, I'm going to give it to you more. That's what it is. That's what it needs. You need to do it until it doesn't hurt anymore. Until you don't absolutely even tell yourself, boy, I'm special. You know, mashallah, ta'ala, one, one brother who serves here in this masjid, and um, we are very indebted to all the khidmah that he does, and his journey began a few years ago. It was the retreat. It was a retreat, the Darussalam retreat, and it was during COVID time when we had, post-COVID, when we had the biggest retreat probably ever. Thousands of people came, and the seminary had just opened. So people from all over. And it was, it was, with that huge influx of people, mean a huge influx of unbelievable levels of garbage and, and dirt. We've never seen like that before. I've never seen since then, alhamdulillah. Well, the dirt part. 
Because everyone was just sleeping all over. There's people sleeping inside the library. There's people sleeping in the lounge. There's people sleeping in the gym. There's everywhere, left and right, left and right. People were just sleeping, eating, drinking. It was, it was crazy. It reminded me like post-Katrina, you know, the dome and things of that sort. It was just everywhere. And so <clears throat> what happened is uh, there was, it was the nighttime. It was Saturday night. The next morning we have the retreats continuing. And the, the, there's no janitor here. The brothers cleaned up as much as they could. I, 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 was, I went to, over to the ladies' side for something to chest check. And one at 12 o'clock, the basketball court is packed. Like 70, 80 people. And I go see, it's just filth all over, right? There's no one cleaned up on that side. I mean, the sisters, of course, did, but it was something beyond that. With the janitor needed. And tomorrow morning, we got the retreats continuing. So I look around, and I'm telling people, can you please come? You guys are on the sideline. Please come and help. Please come and help. We need like six, eight guys to come move this garbage out. People are coming, you know, coming for like two seconds, it's gone, disappeared, pick it up, gone, gone. It was crazy. My own students, they're like, oh, no, no, no. One brother <clears throat> from out of state who attended the retreat, he was just attending. He's like, oh, Sheikh, you know, I feel, what, what do you need? I said, man, I need some help. Allah reward him, subhanAllah, this brother. He sat there and he went through every single bathroom on the lady's side and picked up all the garbage, all the filth from dirty diapers to everything else. In the, fem- in, the, in the female section, all three bathrooms. Put them all together, tied them up, and get rid of the dirty toilet paper and everything else, put new toilet paper, stocked it all up. Then went through all the classrooms. Once done, subhanAllah, an elder person visiting from out of state for the retreat, and he sits there at 1.30 a.m. cleaning through all the toilets on the sister's side. Afterwards, if, yeah, half an hour later, I told him, listen, what you just did right now, you, what we learn from our elders when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows you to do something is you're supposed to do special fresh wudu and go pray two rakat salatu shukr you thank Allah that he enables you to do something like that and you never for once allow it to get to your head this gift that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows you to do that while he deprived hundreds of other people to do what you just did is something you should feel grateful and thankful for that opportunity that Allah has given you that he allowed you to serve him, his deen, his masjid in this manner. Then I'm related to a story of Qari Siddiq Bandui, rahimahumullah. Qari Siddiq Bandui, rahimahumullah, is one of the awliya and ulama of the subcontinent and who is my teacher's teacher, who I was very blessed, very blessed as a young child to go to his village, Banda, in India. And he's the one who did the Dastar Bandi or the tying of the turban of my siblings and myself. Uh, we went to India, and uh, after finishing Hifz al-Quran here in Kankakee, um, well, which, which year was that? It was probably between 92 and 94, I remember, one of those years. Uh, we went, and subhanAllah, he uh, went to his t- town and in his madrasa, and mashallah, he tied a turban. So if you ask any senior alim right now, Abu Baqari Siddiq Bandwi, they'll, they'll, they'll definitely know him. Uh, besides his knowledge and ilm, he was known for his wilaya. He was known to be a true wali of Allah, and we can go on till beyond our talking about his stories. But how did he become this friend of Allah? How did he become his wali? There's so many instances, but what he was most well known for was his tawadu and his humility. So you know, the, uh, previously they didn't have this running sewage system. They had in, in Indopak, they had uh, a system of bhangis. They, they, they would be a group of people, the lowest caste Hindus in India, who would come and who would clean the toilets. And the toilets would basically have, for those of you who don't know, um, would have, you know, instead of having a running sewage uh, uh, or going to even a septic tank, they would actually have buckets, right? 
in a hole, a hole with a bucket at the bottom. And every single week, or every single week, rather day, the bucket would have to be emptied like you have the porta potties. But not no big hose. It was manually lifted and, and, and manually disposed of and manually cleaned. So there was people who'd come and, and take care of this job. Um, and so what happened is, in that town, in Banda, the bungies went on strike. Like the garbage men, for example, they go on strike or whatever, there was a strike. So now what happened? One day, two days, three days, the bathrooms are completely filling up. No one's cleaning it. What are you going to do? It's all the way down there too. It's filled with filth. And it's stinking. And it's becoming almost unbearable. So the strike didn't end. And the students, subhanAllah, realized the next morning that everything was clean. Everything 100% clean. We'll do area clean. Bathrooms all clean, empty. Like, oh wow. After a day or two, and the students realized that in the morning time, the bungee is not coming. And still the bathroom is clean. One of the students said, I have to see who's doing this. This is crazy. So he hid and he sat in the masjid of the, of the madrasa <clears throat> and to see what happens at night. And this a person comes wearing a scarf to cover his face and obviously also to stop the stench from overwhelming him. Covered his face and goes toilet by toilet, toilet by toilet, cleaning each and every single one of them from all the filth that is accumulated in there and wiping it down. And after he's done an hour of cleaning, goes to the wudu area, uses soaps and whatnot, washes himself properly, does wudu, and goes into the masjid, starts praying. As he takes off his scarf, lo and behold, he sees it's the founder of the madrasa, the principal of the madrasa, and the teacher of Bukhari, Qari Siddiq Banwi, sitting there performing salah. He looks at that and he says, SubhanAllah, this is the secret of this man. This is the founder, the principal, and the ustad of hadith. This is how he becomes this man. This is why he is that wali of Allah because he humbles himself to this level. So I shared this story with this individual. And uh, I said, what you're doing is something beautiful from Allah He had no intention. That process, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala changed his heart that night. And he left what he was doing, left his job, and came and spent a whole year here studying. And then subhanAllah, that became so much moved by his experience here, he said, I want to continue moving on and studying over here. So, Allah, his whole life changed. A big chunk of that happened on that one night. For spending, uh, you know, half an hour sitting there cleaning. What happened? It's simply, it's a test of your nafs. When you put, where your toilet paper goes into the garbage, you put your nafs into the garbage. And when you do that, alhamdulillah, that's great. But in the process of that, if you are feeling like, I can't believe I'm doing this. Or, ah, mashallah, I am the next wali. I hope everyone recognizes that. I hope everyone comes with a list of du'as to me tomorrow morning because I have reached a certain stage. Then you know you have reached no stage. If we think ourselves to be pious, then we are not pious. If we think of ourselves to have reached a stage of some sort, we haven't reached anywhere. And this is what... The, the interesting thing is, you got to do things to break your nafs and never allow shaitan to come and tell you you're something. Because as soon as we li- th- listen to shaitan and think that we're something, that, that means he has struck again. Iblis has s- struck again. Right? Another story, a simple, simple story of, I want to share with you and then we'll end with this, is that one time, again, Mufti bin Haj, when he was very young and uh, he went to go visit with my father, he tells a story of, uh, um, of a Pakistan Jamaat. This is in the 80s or early 90s. And <clears throat> they were, he was a young boy and the, uh, they were, there was with the Jamaat brothers there and some gravy, some salon fell on the floor. So there was one very amazing, eloquent mufti or scholar in the Jamaat who was giving the talks and lectures and whatnot. So he, was, uh, he went to go grab a mop 
you know, or to or a napkin to clean the floor. So my brother went and rushed, a six, eight, seven, eight year old he was probably, to take it from him and to clean the floor. Here's the Mufti Sahab from Pakistan, you know, doing this. The Amir of the Jama'ah was not a scholar, told my brother that, Chorde, leave it. He said, leave it. Don't worry, let him do it. And what, what the statement he said, Ye farsh nahi dore, ye apna dil saaf karne. Ye farsh saaf nahi karne, apna dil saaf karne. Inko chorne. He's not washing the floor, he is washing his heart. As a person who is always on the stage, speaking this, that, this is beneficial for him. He needs to do this. Where are those people today? Who are gonna say this? And where are the students? And where are the people and the ulama also? We're gonna say yes. I need this. That's why we're in a problem today. Because everyone wants to be calling the shots. Everyone. No one wants to listen. If we all start speaking, what's going to happen? You are all listening. That's why I'm able to speak. If all of us start screaming and no one wants to listen to one another, how can we move forward in life? Husband is screaming at the wife, wife is screaming at the husband. Kids are screaming at the kids, parents, parents to the kids. That's it, everywhere. No one is willing to listen. And this is what, we, if we in order, our first step to focusing on the nafs is that we become good listeners. And anything and anyone says something to us, say Bismillah, Tike. I'm very far away from this. I hope one day I can reach the level where I need to. And I hope all of you can reach the level that you and I need to. But this is a work in progress. It starts with simply recognizing that we have a problem, that we need to work on our nafs. And we will, inshallah, get this from the company and the suhbah of our teachers and our mashayikh. So uh, uh, make khas dua for me. I'm traveling, inshallah, tomorrow. I'll be gone for the next few weeks. And the purpose of my travel is also to go spend some time in the company of my teacher and my shaykh. So, uh, and um, we need it. I need it the most. The ones who are always speaking, we're, our examples are like sponges. They're always cleaning dirty dishes. But that sponge stinks the most that cleans the dishes. Unless you don't wash that sponge, it's, you can die smelling it, right? So that's our example. Always serving the community every single day, all day, all day, all day, listening to people's problems, answering people's questions. And when you're in that state, subhanAllah, your nafs and your soul just becomes polluted. You need to clean yourself. So this is a, 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 you know, a journey that we all need to take. I encourage all of you to use your time. If you take time off a week or two during the summer, during the winter, go spend some time with the scholars who focus on spirituality. Spend time in their suhbah, in their companionship. Travel wherever you need to. Just like people travel to other vacations and wedding destinations and things of that sort. Because they value those things. We don't value our spirituality. That's why we don't find. We say, oh, I don't know where a spiritual doctor is. Brother, you will find. I don't know right now an ENT surgeon sitting here. I don't know, for example, a nephrologist sitting. I'll, I hope I don't need to know them for a specific reason for myself. But if I need it, it'll take me 45 seconds to a minute to find someone. That's what it is. The thing is, if you care about your soul, you will find someone. And if you don't care, then you won't know where those people are. They're alhamdulillah still around. They're alive. There's many in this city of Chicago many in the country and many abroad where there's a will there's a way so I encourage every person who's listening to me you, your spouse and your children make this part of your whole journey of life that focus on working on your spirituality and a big chunk of that will come through suhbah through companionship of not 
of people of your own type. No. Companionship of people who are spiritually ahead of us. People who don't mind telling us what we need to, what we need to hear. People who will correct us on our spiritual ills and cure us with the will of Allah. Those are the people that we need to spend some time. One week in their company, three days in their company, I promise you is so much more valuable than anything you've ever seen. And if you're interested, connect with me. I'll tell you different places to, uh, across the country to go, across the world to go. Go ask the ulama of your, whoever you trust to say, I want to go on a spiritual journey. Where do I start? What should I do? Yes, reading Imam Ghazali's books is great. You need to do that. Yes, doing your morning and evening of God is great. You have to do that. Doing your tilawat of the Quran, you have to do that. Praying salah in the masjid, you have to do that. Staying away from the sins of the eyes and the ears and the tongue, you have to do that. But like, there's more to it than that. What about the inner dimensions of the soul that is very hard for a person to even recognize that he's got this problem? You need expert advice. You need suhba. And people will look at you and they will give you advice. You don't even need to hear them. Just by you looking at them, you say, Oh my God, I don't do this. And I don't do this. And I don't do this. Look how he spoke to him. Look how he spoke to, to that individual. Look how he got up at the night. Look how you do this. That's what happens. So again, I said I keep on ending with the story and this story, and this is the final story. Okay? Inshallah. And then, as I said, I'll be gone for a few weeks. So, um, other ulama, inshallah, will be continuing all the durus here. But I want to share with you a story that I came across. The company of the Sheikh, this is what it's called. The company of the Sheikh makes an ordinary person special. This is taken from, uh, chosen from the Tarsilat of Hadrat Mufti uh, Rafiuddin Sahab Rahmatullah Alayhi. It's translated into English. May Allah reward the person who translated and the person who shared this with me. Azad Mulana Yusuf bin Nuri Rahmatullah Alayhi. Mulana Yusuf bin Nuri, the rector of, of Bin Nuri Town Madrasa. Binuri Town Madrasa in Karachi. And you ask anyone from Karachi, they know Binuri Town. So uh, he's my Ustaz, Ustaz Hazrat Mufti Dalala Ul Haqsab's teacher, Mona Shabir Sab's teacher, he's my teacher, my grand teacher. Rahimullah. Once mentioned in a gathering that one year we went for Hajj. How apt. Time of Hajj going through this story. He said, therein the group of ulama was also, therein the group of ulama, there was also a retired army officer from Pakistan. Retired army officer in the group of ulama in Hajj. At the time of tahajjud, the officer would awaken before all of us, all the ulama, go to the Kaaba and do tawaf at that time. Mulana bin Nuri rahmatullah mentions, I would be surprised that he is an ordinary man and I'm a Shaykh al Hadith, graduate of Darul Ulum Dioband, the student of Muhaddith like Allama Anwar Shah Kashmiri rahimullah, and a teacher of ulama. But this ordinary Muslim, even that, a retired army officer, is a greater worshipper and ascetic Zahid than I am. Mulana bin Nuri says that one time I made an intention that I will now wake up for tahajjud before him. So when I woke up at night, I was at ease when I saw that he is sleeping in his bed. I was very happy that thankfully today, I have gained the upper hand on this devoted, ordinary Muslim. After completing wudu, etc., when I came to the room, I saw that the army officer is standing with a cup of chai and tea for me. I became astonished that this person was just sleeping in his bed. He had, and he has, how, how did he come up so quickly with the tea from outside? But then when I glanced at his bed, I saw that someone was still sleeping in his bed. 
I asked, Sir, are you a human or a jinn? This person, who is in your bed? If it is not you, then who is it? Laughingly, he said, Maulana, I am a human. When I went to the Haram Sharif a little before Tahajjud, I saw an unknown Haji Saab there who was afflicted by fever. I could not help myself and I brought him here to make a place of residence. And after making him sleep in my bed, I went back to the Haram Sharif. So this person in the bed, it is not me. It is the unwell Haji Saab. Hazrat bin Nuri rahmatullahi asked him in amazement, Sir, who are you? A retired officer, army officer, who has left me a scholar, a Shaykh al-Hadith, a fadil and graduate of Darul Dioban, a teacher of ulama, a head teacher of a very big madrasa, and the group leader of the ulama in Hajj. Who, am, who are you who I am behind in abstinence and piety? Today I had made an intention that after today, I would wake up before you, and I will go to the Haram Sharif before you. But I was not able to compete with you. Tell me truthfully, who are you? The army, the army officer replied, I am the disciple or murid of Shaykh al-Tafsir, Hazrat Mawlana Ahmad Ali Lahori, Rahmatullahi Alayhi. Mawlana bin Nuri Rahmatullahi says, I was remorseful upon myself that due to the connection of Qutb al-Aqtab, Hazrat Mawlana Ahmad Ali Lahori, Rahmatullahi Alayhi, an ordinary Muslim has gained special, such a special status with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. From this story we learn that through the company of the pious, such a high status is gained that even if a disciple is an ordinary Muslim, he may go ahead of the greatest of learned people in amal. Not in ilm, yes, but in amal. We pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also gives us the courage and the ability to value and, the benef- and benefit from the company of the saints and the mashayikh. Ameen, Rabbil Alameen. Nasallallahu tawfiq. I ask Allah to accept this. Um, uh, you know, and make you and I from amongst those people who inshaAllah ta'ala enjoy the suhbah of the pious. Say ameen. And may I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He allows you and I to love the pious, even though we're not there. My beloved brothers, please, please, you can be sinful. I am very sinful. You are very sinful maybe. But never speak ill of the, of the ulama. Don't do this. They say those who speak ill of the ulama and the pious, they may be deprived of husnul khatima, a good ending. Many stories are related about that. So we may all have flaws and faults, but for Allah's sake, I beg you, do not take a swipe against the jama'ah of ulama. Are they bad apples within the scholars? Yes. Are they bad apples within lawyers and doctors and engineers? Yes. Are they bad apples within policemen? Yes. There's bad apples everywhere. If you've had a bad experience, don't use that bad experience with one police officer or one doctor to just take a swipe at the entire community and deprive yourself that I will never call 911 or I will never go to the hospital because I had a bad experience. Do not use that. One bad experience you had with the Hafiz Sahib, Qari Sahib, Maulana Sahib, Mufti Sahib or anyone else in your life to deprive yourself of the company of the pious, to deprive yourself from seeking the benefit, and seeking knowledge, seeking advice from people of knowledge. You harm no one besides yourself. You harm no one besides yourself. It's a very dangerous thing. People have a habit of doing that. And do not even sit with such people who take swipes at scholars, who take swipes at ulama, who attack them. They are suffering a major spiritual crisis. You can't help them. Someone else needs to help them. You need to take care of yourself. But you simply sitting with them, it will infect you as well. So I warn you from sitting in the company of people who attack ulama and sulaha. And instead, we should have be people who love them. Any opportunity you get, do khidma, my friends. Do khidma. Anywhere, anywhere you get an opportunity, do something to, to serve them. 
in any way and inshallah that service and khidmah for the pious and the ulama will make you and I something great one day subhanallah bihamdihi subhanakallah bihamdik nashhadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilaik do a mo- uh, some dhikr inshallah <clears throat> then we have ishraq salah and there's some light breakfast as well i know some brothers are fasting alhamdulillah the 10 days of the hijjah so may Allah reward you for your fast and um, otherwise you please do enjoy and if we are not fasting today tomorrow make sure we fast at least on tuesday the day of arafah come here uh, on monday night after Maghrib, we will have a talk on the virtue of Arafah. Monday night after Salat al-Maghrib, we'll have a talk on the virtues of Arafah and how to spend that day. We don't want to, you know, alhamdulillah, instead of doing it on the day of Arafah, it's too late. So we do it the night before. So come here Monday night after Maghrib, and then Tuesday is the day of fasting. And inshallah, um, uh, you know, hopefully the Tuesday night will be the night of Eid. And we'll ha- hopefully also have our, our dars after Maghrib, inshallah. Please be... Um, just check the WhatsApp message for the, for the uh, latest. If there's any changes to the tafsir plan, you'll receive a message. Otherwise, as of now, I think it's planned that we will have a Tuesday night tafsir after uh, Maghrib as well, the night of Eid, inshallah. There is Eid Salah here, of course, on Wednesday morning, one right after Fajr Salah, after Ishraq, and one a, bit, one, about, one a little bit later. That, that details have been shared on the group. Make sure uh, we take care of the wajib udhiyah on behalf of our, ourselves and our families. And you are more than welcome to do give extra on behalf of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam as sadaqah, uh, nafila as a gift, risal thawab, or on behalf of the ummah, or on behalf of anyone, as Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam himself slaughtered, uh, you know, 63, 100 camels, 63 he did himself, and the remaining he asked Ali radiallahu anhu to do. He didn't have to do 100 camels, but on behalf of the ummah. So that's why, as appreciation for all the efforts of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam for us, Many of us have a habit of doing something on behalf of Rasulullah so alhamdulillah, that's great. Um, and there's, it's a need, of, it's a need of, of, of food all over the world, so it's great to give extra and, and feed. Besides, whatever you do overseas, try to do something local. If you're here doing Eid, I encourage you to please go to a local farm on Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday, three days, one of those three days. Take your kids with you and go and participate in the actual slaughtering of an animal. And then go get the meat cut, Give it to some of it to your neighbors. Eat some of it to yourself. Feed people, whatever you can. But the sunnah method of actually going slaughtering, please, this, your, this immigrant generation of ours, if you don't teach your kids, what's going to happen in the next generation? I saw a flyer for a, a vegan, vegetarian or vegan only eat. Right? They're celebrating their best, you know, celebrate eat with their favorite plant-based dish. I'm serious. Anti-slaughtering of animals. Is that, we've been hearing about it. Now they have a whole different group and a whole Eid, separate Eid celebration. So this is going to happen to our kids. You don't have to eat meat all red. Eating meat, red meat all day is not good. But we, if, even if you eat, though you don't eat the whole year. Even if you don't eat now. But there is the idea of following the sunnah of Ibrahim following the sunnah of Rasulullah That's the aspect of the deen you cannot have any two opinions about. Feed the people if you don't want to eat. You, simply because you, you're on a special diet. Great. Eating less meat is good. We already eat too much. But feed the people. That doesn't mean you don't slaughter. That's what we're saying here. So please try to participate in Udhiya locally here. Besides whatever donations and sadaqat you're sending overseas. And we have a, a special request for dua uh, from, for our student of Darussalam, one of the Tadri students here. Uh, she's a high school student, 14 years old. Yesterday, right before Salat al-Maghrib, Asr time, she had uh, uh, internal bleeding in her uh, head. 
and subhanAllah she was rushed by helicopter to University of Chicago and they, they drain the blood out they're doing a, um, the, the CT, they're going to do a scan of her brain still to figure out where the bleeding is from and so she's in a very critical state right now um, and of course she's you know, on a ventilator as well um, and she's a 14 year old student here as, and her mother is our main main uh, khadima of the sister side and volunteer uh, mashallah sister Mahar every, every single one of your wives who comes here knows her um, and uh, so her daughter is the one who, who is going through this we ask all of you to make sincere dua uh, I think the procedure is going to start at 7 o'clock I was told um, Imran Bay is that right? yeah 7 o'clock subhanAllah so uh, Miller Ward our female staff and Imran Bay as well etc mashallah who spent the entire night at the hospital because they don't have any family here and mashallah our, our uh, female staff went and spent the night there and helping but well, biggest help we all need from you is dua and then Allah Azza wa Jal, um, grants her complete shifa and, and Allah allows all the procedures to, to be successful and allow the doctors to, to have shifa in their hands and get to the bottom of, of what it is and may Allah Azza wa Jal save her from having any long term um, effects of, of, of what, what just happened La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam La ilaha illallah 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 لا إله إلا الله 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 محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم لا إله إلا الله 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 لا لا إله إلا الله 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 
محمد صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم 
وسلم صلى الله على محمد صلى الله عليه 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 وسلم استغفر الله 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 الذي لا اله الا هو الحي القيوم واتوب اليه when we're reciting dua for the sick, Rasulullah has told us whoever recites his dua upon a sick person seven times, Allah Azza wa Jalla will grant him shifa from every sick, sickness except for death. So I want you to recite with me dua with the intention of a shifa for Ayman as well as all the other boys and girls and men and women of the Ummah who are sick. Inshallah, make intention of that and recite after me. Nas'alullah al Azim, Rabbal Arsh al Azim, an yashfiha. Nas'alullah al Azim. رب العرش العظيم أن يشفيها نسأل الله العظيم 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 رب العرش العظيم أن يشفيها بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم أنت السلام أنك السلام وطبارتي هذا الجلال والكرام اللهم لك الحمد كله ولك الشكر كله اللهم لا نحصي ثناء عليك أنت كما أثنيت على نفسك اللهم يا حي يا قيوم يا أحد الصمد الذي لم يلد ولم يولد ولم يكن له كوف أحد اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد صلاة تنجينا بها من جميع الأحوال والآفات وتقضي لنا بها جميع الحاجات وتطهرنا بها من جميع السيئات وترفعنا بها عندك على درجات وتبلغنا بها أقصى الغايات من جميع الخيرات في الحياة بعد الممات إنك على كل شيء قدير اللهم لك الحمد حمدا دائما مع دوامك ولك الحمد حمدا خالدا مع خلودك ولك الحمد حمدا حتى ترضى ولك الحمد حمدا إذا رضيت اللهم لك الحمد عند طرفة كل عين وتنفس كل نفس اللهم ربنا ظلمنا أنفسنا وإن لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين اللهم ربنا آتنا في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة حسنة وقنا عذاب النار رب اغفر وارحم وتجاوز عما تعلم إنك أنت العز الأكرم ربنا اغفر لنا والإخواننا الذين سبقونا بالإيمان ولا تجعل في قلوبنا غلا للذين آمنوا ربنا 
ربنا إنك رؤوف رحيم ربنا لا تجعلنا فتنة للقوم الظالمين ونجنا برحمتك من قوم الكافرين ربنا لا تزق قلوبنا بعد إذ هديتنا وهب لنا من لدنك رحمة إنك أنت الوهاب ربنا هب لنا من أزواجنا وذرياتنا قرة أعين واجعلنا للمتقين إماما رب اغفر لنا ربنا اغفر لنا ولوالدينا ولأساتذتنا ولمشائخنا ولمن حقه علينا ولمن أوصانا بالدعاء ربنا هب لنا من أزواجنا وذرياتنا قرة أعين واجعلنا للمتقين إماما اللهم أصلح لنا ديننا الذي هو عصوة أمرنا وأصلح لنا دنيانا التي فيها معاشنا وأصلح لنا آخرتنا التي فيها معادنا واجعل الحياة زيادة لنا في كل خير واجعل الموت راحة لنا من كل شر اللهم نسلك التقوى والتقى والعفاف والغناء اللهم نسلك رضاك والجنة وما قرب إليها من قول أو عمل ونعوذ بك من سختك والنار وما قرب إليها من قول أو عمل اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما وعملا اللهم يا حي قيوم إنا نسألك علما نافعا ورزقا واسعا وشفاء من كل داء اللهم يا حي قيوم نقي قلوبنا من النفاق وأعمالنا من الرياء وألسنتنا من الكذب وأعيننا من الخيانة فإنك تعلم خائنة الأعين وما تخفي الصدور رب ارحمهما كما ربياني صغيرة رب ارحمهما كما ربياني صغيرة رب ارحمهما كما ربياني صغيرة لا إله إلا أنت سبحانك إني كنت من الظالمين لا إله إلا أنت سبحانك إني كنت من الظالمين حسبنا الله ونعم الوكيل على الله توكلنا 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 والله we ask you to accept our gathering والله all those brothers and sisters who who sat patiently after salat al-fajr till now and those who are listening from wherever they are in the world and all those who are listening afterwards ya Allah grant them all the ajr for their participation and O oh Allah grant myself and all the tawfiq to put into practice whatever good was shared O oh Allah do not allow this knowledge and this talk to become a proof against us but rather allow it to become a proof for us allow us to become from amongst those who practice immediately on the khair and the good that we hear O oh Allah save us from amongst those to become from amongst those who become blinded and deaf and dumb in front of khair and goodness Ya Allah O oh Allah we ask you to grant us all shifa from our spiritual diseases O oh Allah grant us cure from our spiritual diseases O oh Allah allow us to overcome the disease of our nafs O oh Allah grant us all a basira and deep foresight into our own spiritual as well as of course physical emotional mental illnesses ya Allah O Allah allow us to become acutely aware of what we are suffering from and O Allah allow us to be surrounded by people who are aware and who will with compassion share with us what we are suffering from ya Allah and then ya Allah grant us the, the means to be able to, get, to, to treat our own selves, Ya Allah. O oh Allah, grant us the suhbah and the companionship of the pious. And grant us the suhbah and the companionship of the awliya and ulama as-sulaha. O oh Allah, grant us their love. Grant us our children to sit in their company. O oh Allah, grant us the opportunity for us to benefit from them. Allow us to benefit from their writings and from their books of the ulama of the past, Ya Allah. O oh allow us to sit and read, Ya Allah, what they have written. And it is reading the writings of the past ulama is as the closest we can get to sitting in their company. Allow us to spiritually benefit from their writings, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, we ask you to put the muhabba and love of mashayikh and ulama and the pious within our hearts, the hearts of our spouses and the hearts of our children. Oh Allah, make, allow us all to, to find a path for us and for our kids for our spiritual for rectification. Oh Allah, whatever majalis of ilm and dhikr happen in our area or wherever we're listening from in our own areas, allow us uh, to find those majalis, Ya Allah. Allow us to benefit from them, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, last week we were blessed in this city of Chicago to have three khatbul, three different 
different khatman Bukhari's, ya Allah. All of this weekend, we are blessed to have two separate spiritual retreats, one taking place at Sacred Learning, one taking place in Sharia Board. Oh Allah, uh, and the company of various ulama. Oh Allah, allow this city of Chicago and the Chicagoland area to continue, and the people who live here, to truly benefit from all of these amazing gems, ya Allah, and from these amazing programs. Oh Allah, save us from not giving enough attention to what is happening in our city and remaining deprived, ya Allah. Oh Allah, do not make us among those people who like, like those who die, ya Allah, thirsty on the banks of a river, ya Allah. Oh Allah, do not make the people of the city, ya Allah, deprived of the, all the great programs that are happening here, ya Allah. Oh Allah, we ask ya Allah to grant us all the tawfiq to make the best use of our summer, for our children to find the best use of their summer. Oh Allah, all those who are enrolled in any summer program, allow them to fully benefit. And those who are not enrolled, allow them to take benefit from whatever summer programs are offered in their area, or in, 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 in their masajid, as well as in Darul Salaam, for example. Oh Allah, allow our youth, ya Allah, to benefit from that. Our working adults to take time out to study, ya Allah. Oh Allah, please, please, ya Allah, we ask you to grant us the a true understanding of our purpose in life and allow us to truly fulfill that purpose of life, ya Allah. Oh Allah, make us amongst those who do dhikr profusely, ya Allah. Allow our tongues to be moist in your remembrance. Allow our hearts to beat with your love. Oh Allah, these are the blessed 10 days of Dhul Hijjah and the blessed 10 nights of Dhul Hijjah. Oh Allah, allow us all to make full benefit of these days and nights, ya Allah. Please, ya Allah, allow us to, ya Allah, truly, truly take full benefit in which you have mentioned your Nabi has mentioned, Ya Allah, the virtues of it from amongst them that this is the most virtuous of days and nights, Ya Allah. You took an oath in the Quran, Walayal and Ashr on the ten nights. And the scholars of Tafsir say these regards, this is regards to the ten nights of the Hijjah. Oh Allah, allow us to stand up for Tahajjud, especially during these nights. Allow us to make long personal du'as for ourselves and for the Ummah during these nights and days, Ya Allah. Allow us to remain engaged in dhikr and tilawat of the Quran during these ten nights and day, ten days, Ya Allah. Allow us to give sadaqah profusely during these ten days and ten nights, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, whoever is sick, Ya Allah, from amongst our families, physically, spiritually, or in any other way, Ya Allah, grant them all shifa. Allah, those who are afflicted from nazar, hasad, sihar, oh Allah, from any other masbin shaitan, we ask you to grant them all shifa, Ya Allah. Grant them all shifa, grant them all shifa. Allah, grant us all protection from the evil plots of shaitan, from the humans and shayateen, from the jinn, Ya Allah. Allah, grant protection to this madrasa, masjid, staff, teachers, Ya Allah, volunteers, patrons, musallis, <coughs> students, and all of their loved ones and their families, Ya Allah, from any and all attacks of shaitan, Ya Allah. Protect us all from the t- attacks of the, of the Dajjali fitan, Ya Allah. And protect us all from the fitna of Dajjal, Ya Allah. O oh Allah, O oh Allah, give barakah in our sustenance, barakah in our time, barakah in our ilm, barakah in our amal. O oh Allah, whatever these brothers are going in any personal issues that they're going through. O oh Allah, those who are listening, brothers and sisters, whatever personal issues they're going through, you are well aware of their personal issues. I ask you, Allah, through the barakah of their 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 dhikr, their dua and their perseverance to be connected to the masjid. I ask you, Ya Allah, to grant them all cure from their problems, Ya Allah. Grant grant respite from their problems, Ya Allah. Allow them to see the light at the end of the tunnel, Ya Allah. O Allah, grant them sabr and patience as until the till help comes, Ya Allah. O Allah, we ask you, Ya Allah, to grant shifa, Ya Allah, to uh, to the student that we were making dua for, Ya Allah. O Allah, to grant shifa to Amen, Ya Allah. We ask you to grant to allow the surgery and procedures to go all very extremely successful and allow her to come back, Ya Allah, safe and sound back to her home soon, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, we ask you, Allah, to accept the du'as of all those who are present here and who are, who are making du'a from amongst the student body and our teachers and volunteers who are making du'a for her shifa. Allah, put effect in everyone's du'as. Oh Allah, all the hujjaj, we ask you to accept their hajj. We ask you to accept their du'as. We ask you to accept their hajj. We ask you to accept their hajj. We ask you to accept their du'as, ya Allah. Allow them to come back safely, ya Allah. Allow them to remember the ummah and remember us in their du'as, ya Allah. And allow all of us, ya Allah, to go repeatedly to the haramain al-sharifain for an accepted hajj and umrah. Subhanahu wa rabbil Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Ameen. Ameen.
Zakumullah khairat to all of you for your patience. MashaAllah, today you sat a little bit longer than usual. And inshallah, Allah reward those who brought the breakfast, who sponsored it as well. May Allah make that a means of, of khair and barakah. We can pray ishraq, two rakat, and two rakat. Any salah can be recited. Any surah can be recited. And then inshallah, make a dua. And then you can have breakfast. Assalamu alaikum.